Well, hey, friends, welcome to the Unseminary Podcast today. Super pumped to have Warren Bird with us. He is going to continue us on in multi-site month. I love Warren. I love what he's got to say today. He dropped some real value bombs for us. I want to remind you to go to multisitevideos.com to sign up for a free three-part video series that we're launching later here in October. Uh, the second video is called Keys to Picking a Great Location for Your Next Campus. And listen, I dive deep, help you think through critical issues. How does the campus that you pick, the location, how does that impact the long-term success of the location, that sort of thing. It's a fantastic video, some great teaching. I want you to drop by multisitevideos.com to register or text the, the word multisite videos, just all one word, to 44222 to get more information and to get signed up. Listen, friends, today's episode is brought to us by our good friends over at Pro Media Fire. They've been with us for six months. Uh, this is their last time on the show until the future. I, I want you to reach out to them today. I want you to go to promediafire.com. They are an incredible organization that's helping churches like you really live in the media generation. They're helping you generate a great video content, great media content, great graphic design, and now they're doing web as well. You want to partner with them today. They are set up to provide you with incredible service on this side, the real visual side, at one low monthly price. Again, go to promediafire.com to learn more. All right, well, let's jump into today's episode. Let's go. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Are you looking for practical ministry help to drive your ministry further, faster? Have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of others in pursuit of stuff that we wish they had taught in seminary. Buckle up and let's get started with this week's Unseminary Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Super excited to have you listening in because today, uh, glad to have my friend and uh, one of the smartest guys I know in the broader kingdom of Christ and a guy that I think today is going to give you some inf- insights in a way that you know will help us chew it up and think about our churches. We're all month we are uh, talking about multi-site, and we would not be uh, able to do that without talking with Dr. Warren Bird. He is the VP of Research at ECF, the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability. Uh, Warren, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Rich. I always enjoy my conversations with you, and I always enjoy the great stuff you put out on Unseminary oh, and your different. Uh, PDFs that uh, I get to enjoy reading, as well as your books. <laughs> nice. Thanks, Warren. Appreciate that. Uh, so why don't we, before we jump in, uh, but since the last time you came on, you used to be with Leadership Network, now you're with ECF. Why don't you tell us, uh, or ECFA, why don't you tell us a little bit about that, uh, about your role there and uh, you know what you're doing at ECFA, and then, we'll, and then we want to talk about multi-site. ECFA stands for the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability. And about 40 years ago, the government came to a bunch of parachurch groups and said, hey, either you guys police yourselves or we will. So, <laughs> so EC, uh, you know, this was the Billy Graham organization, World Vision and all those. And they said, you know what? We will come up with seven integrity standards for how you do ministry well. And mm. so a bunch of ministries said, all right, that way people have get the good housekeeping seal and know, you know, what we're doing. Uh, and that their money is going to a good place. But then in more recent years, a bunch of churches have begun doing that. And in fact, churches have been our fastest growing uh, segment of ECFA as as online giving and other things happen, and that, and that people want resources. And that's where I come in. I get to help develop best practices for uh, or discover 
best practices in what organizations are doing. For example, I'm working on on boards right now. What makes an effective mm-hmm. board? Mm-hmm. Very cool. Well, and and I would say, you know, my not that I, there may be people who are listening and that are like, you know, should we be considering joining ECFA? And I would say, yes, this is a great organization. It really is a uh, like you say, the good. I love the good housekeeping stamp. <laughs> I hadn't thought of it that way, but that really is what it is. It provides a great group to be a part of, and and anything that Warren's part of is always great. So, but today we're here talking about multi-site, and you've been uh, really at the center of the multi-site movement in a lot of ways from a research point of view, helping us understand that. And like I said, all month we're trying to take some time to, to think about multi-site and challenge people. I'm hope you know I'm always in the default of like, hey, we should launch some more campuses. So hopefully encouraging some of that. Uh, but we're today, I would love to get your perspective on multi-site kind of today. As it sits today, what are some of the things you're seeing from your vantage point uh, in, in the churches you're working with at ECFA or just even in your broader kind of connection with churches in general? What are some of the trends that you're, um, you know, you're seeing really on the, are really developing within this movement? First is an attitude trend. You know, the, the, mm. the more we realize that the world is a smaller place, uh, the more we discover that like multi-site was not a U.S. invention. It, it actually <laughs> right. was popularized in Korea as their large churches begin taking off and they begin having space crunches and other things. And I, I keep a list of global megachurches, leadnet.org slash world uh, on Leadership Network. And and the vast majority are multi-site. Now everybody defines multi-site just a little bit differently, but multi-site is is just it's like the new normal of how you do churches globally. And and while it's wonderful that U.S. churches get to pioneer and study each other, uh, we really need to remember that that God is working around the world. And and dare I say sometimes more so in other countries uh and and that the more we learn from them uh i probably the better off we are right amazing and and so and and multi-site from a global perspective is you know i love that's a great kind of a, a example of like hey let's not think that this all just started in the bible belt somewhere but it's come you know it's been more than that are there trends that you're seeing you know, in that maybe multi-site looks a little bit different overseas or in other parts of the world than it does in in the states, or or what does that look like for you? Well, if in the states it's a little fuzzy, uh, what the difference between um, a multi-site campus and a church plant is overseas, it's really fuzzy. It uh, tends to be. <laughs> right. Now you do have a, a few high command and control. Uh, church denominations and all, that it's very clear what you do and, you know, that you're a campus of ours and you're going to preach this on this Mm -hmm. week and here's your schedule. But a lot of times it's just kind of an umbrella idea that uh, we are caring for these churches and they are partnering with us and and they may or may not use our church name or may or may not have a common church board or may or may not have common church finances, which typically in the U.S. at least – tend to be the distinguishing marks of what makes a multi-site campus different uh, from a church plant. But, you know, we keep using multi-site campus and campus pastor and phrases like mm-hmm. that. That's probably the second big okay, observation yeah. uh, for the states that, that that terminology is growing all over the map. Like uh, mm. I was just in dialogue this morning with a, a Nigerian megachurch and they call their campus pastors the resident pastor 
of the campus. Well, you know, that works well. And and I see that happening in the U.S. as well. And and it's kind of fun to see uh, ideas go back and forth and forth and back. Uh, Mm -hmm. But but do you call it multi-site or are we just one church with a bunch of locations? And there, there are a lot of ways people spell it out. Like, you know, one Chicago pastor, you know, was like, I am not a multi-site church. Okay. Do you have a bunch of locations? Yes. Do you have a different person who's the face with the place at, at each location? Yes. Do you all work together on your on your sermons? Yes. Uh, and, and, and are you in the thousands of attendance? Yes, but we're not a mega church and we're not multi-site. Okay. <laughs> what, whatever what you want to say. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I remember when I was at the meeting house, we, uh, so we, we were trying to wrestle down this language stuff before, uh, before the kind of campus pastor became, and even campus was uh, kind of in vogue. And so, uh, still to this day, the meeting house in Toronto, they, they refer to their, their locations as regional sites. And they refer to their people at the kind of the people that lead those as lead pastors. And the, the thinking there was like, uh, we want to define a kind of a region that we're trying to reach rather than, you know, a particular location. And so that's why I went with kind of regional site rather than campus. And then campus I, in that context felt too collegiate, felt too like, oh, it's like a campus pastor. Maybe is that somebody that's like at the university or so are there other, you know, in those nuances around some of those languages that you're seeing other, you know, trends, other other words, like I've heard in some churches, uh, they seem to be using the community pastor rather than campus pastor. It's more about, hey, we're for this community rather than it's about our particular location. Are there other trends you're seeing on the language side? So Rich, you have articulated well most of the varieties that are out there. And once again, Canada is leading the way. And to my point, if we, I, I mean, you're in Canada, so I don't want to call you mm-hmm. a foreign country or anything, but for the, <laughs> yes. for, for the U.S. to continue to learn what God is doing elsewhere, I find generally Canada is several years ahead of us in, in the level of secularization and thus right. how you respond to it and how you're figuring out to do so then is is good instruction for us. So uh, indeed, uh, that terminology that you've described is what is taking off the U.S. But but there's a sociology thing in that first, when the idea was needing to take root, mm-hmm. you needed one clear picture, multi-site yes. campus pastor. Yep. But soon enough, people said, oh, I got that. I get what it is. But now we can vary it. You know, OK, mm-hmm. Given the framework of multi-site campus pastor, we're going to do it this way. Mm, And mm. that's a healthy and normal development of how ideas diffuse. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, why don't we talk about kind of the, I'd love to get your perspective on the connection between kind of multi-site and growth. Uh, you know, I I have been probably because I wrote a book on church growth, you know, I've been a little bit of criticizes like that guy's always just worrying about making bigger churches, but how, how are these two working together? How are you seeing, you know, it's a cart and horse issue around, you know, do you, are you seeing churches trying to go multi-site to help them grow or is it a response to growth? Uh, what are we learning on that front? Well, let's make it real simple. Let's use the analogy of going from one to multiple services. Now, a, a lot of churches today are still single service, and and it would be crazy for them to say, oh, okay, you know, we're going to go to three services. Uh, unless, you know, there's like, okay, how are we going to reach new people or how are we going to reach the kind of person in uh, our new service that would not go 
to our existing service. And that idea is a little microcosm of multi-site. Uh, if, if 80% of churches are plateaued or declining, they need to, churches in that group need to have a real compelling, clear reason for multi-site. Multi-site is not in and of itself a growth strategy. And and it can be toxic if you all of a sudden dilute uh, all your resources and volunteers and everything. And, and now, you know, we got everybody wearing multiple hats. Um, so so for a non-growing church, while there's there's I heartily encourage the experimentation of of exploring what would it mean to add a new service or to add a new campus or to help plant another church um you have the real uh growth and momentum of multi-site is happening with growing churches that have the momentum and often the the physical facility challenges um to be able to warrant the experimentation that comes with multi-site. Now that said, I was just talking with a pastor last week and they have only one entrance to their church off of the main road. There's no back road, side road or anything. And they just got word from the County that there's going to be major construction for a nine month period. That's just oh, going to make getting to church nightmarish. So the pastor and I brainstormed, you know, would this be a good time to experiment with, you know, taking your, uh, young adults group off campus and letting them meet in the apartment complex uh, rec room, you know, doing, Mm -hmm. doing this ministry off campus, call it a big experiment. Maybe you'll find after those six to nine months that, you know, you've, you've hit a responsive cord and, and there's a, you're reaching people making better disciples Uh, or maybe you call everybody back into the building, but, but many churches may have an experimentation window when the multi-site or multi-anything service uh, or church planning might make sense. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I love that idea. Even some churches and Liquid Church that you and I are both been a part of, or you're still a part of, I've been a part of, you know, tried the kind of pop-up service thing, right? Where it's like, you know, in the summertime, there was this Saturday night, you know, down at the shore. I've seen churches similar to what you're talking about there in a short period of time, like, oh, we've got this, like you say, construction issue Let's do a, uh, you know, deliberately short-term campus, which is a new idea. Like that's a like, whoa, I, you never think of that before. That's kind of a, a really cool, uh, you know, concept. One of the things we've seen, and we've had other conversations is in this month, this kind of month of conversation about multi-site is really the role of mergers and multi-site. And, uh, you know, I consistently, again, even just last week was again telling someone to pick up your and Jim's book on uh, on this whole area. But what are we learning on that front, this idea of mergers or rebirths and how that's impacting multi-site? I know in the churches I talk to, uh, I consistently say, listen, if you're multi-site now or you're going multi-site, you know, you should be actively thinking about what your merger strategy is. Is Am I crazy to be thinking about that? Or are we, we, we seeing that continue to be a part of, you know, what we're seeing kind of across the board? Every time I did a study, the percentages went up in terms of what percent of multi-site campuses come by way of a merger. Right now, it's somewhere around 40% on average, of churches. And, and you know, it, it, the reader, the listener today can just 
talk to a friend who's got several multi-site campuses and say, did any of these start with a merger? And, and in a way, it's a win for God's kingdom. You know, how our hearts ache when we read about this, this church building with a great location and zoning for churches, which is hard to get, turning into a condo or a pub or something yeah, like that. Where, where the, yeah, or a parking lot, where the spiritual emphasis uh, and service to that particular community uh, is lost and often lost forever. So this idea of of a merger of hey you got a lot of people and no locate and you know building problems we got too few people but you know the sh- at, at least a once great building you know is there a way that God's kingdom can can advance uh, by us working together and that's on the rise and I predict will continue on the rise and in fact um, Rich you being in Canada was just talking with like Graham Singh who's oh. doing a whole movement about how to how to how different creative ways to use properties of churches who have gone through a life cycle and wonder what the next step is cuz they can't continue the way they are now. Yeah. So 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 much of what uh Warren has read is required reading I think, but particularly your book Better Together to me in this whole area um it, it's really critically important. I I think they, for, for us, the, my, kind of my own leadership in the, in the past as I've interacted with other churches that are thinking about that, it just – you do such a good job. You and Jim have done such a good job framing up the conversation um, and just giving good language and a good framework and, and lots of really practical help. And so if you're listening in today and you're thinking – you know, hey, we might be thinking about that. I, I, again, I give this advice all the time. The first thing I'll say to people on either side, like we're thinking about either following another church by maybe giving our property up or vice versa. We we had a church come to us. I hear that more and more. Like we had this church come to us and we're, we're wondering, you know, would you think about something like that? The first thing I say is what you need to do now, like today is get on Amazon, order that book. I'll put a link in the show notes about it, but, and, and just read that book. Cause that'll be at least a starting point of conversation. Important, uh, an important piece of the puzzle for sure. Um, you know, one of the things that, and and you you could um, reflect on this statistic. I think the number is forty-seven. The thing I love about you is you can remember the numbers quickly. I think it was in the most recent study uh, that was done a few years ago around um, multi-site campuses and the number of campuses that churches had. I think the number was forty-seven percent of of all multi-site churches weren't getting beyond three locations. So they'd have one and then launch two. Now we'll see as new studies come out what happens there. But to me, this is like the great crime of uh, of the multi-site movement because I I haven't heard a lot of churches articulate when they get into multi-site saying what we want to do is launch two and no more. You know, they say things like we want to do one campus every county or we'll do one within every you know twenty-five minutes of everybody in the city or you know they come up with a very you know that always seems to project a vision of five, six, seven, eight, ten campuses, but then we seem to get stuck. And so why is that? Well, from your perspective, what are you seeing? Why so many churches seem to get to that? They get a couple campuses out and then they don't go you know, beyond that. That's a good question, Rich. And I really think there are two categories of churches. One is the one that you've described. And, and in fact, an example being the one we were part of, Liquid Church. Yeah. And in fact, a book just came out called Liquid Church Fantastic. and one of that you wrote a great endorsement to. And one of the chapters is on their merger strategy. And, and their, the view of that church is to saturate New Jersey uh, with the gospel, and there are 21 counties, so they want at least 21 campuses. There, there's there's a number of churches that are taking multi-site in the multiplication area, but there are also a lot of churches that multi-site was simply a a response. Hey, mm, uh, oh, there's good, yes. there's a growing suburb 
we're downtown. Downtown isn't working. Should we sell the property and move to the suburbs? And then someone said, hey, no. What about if it's a both and? What if we stay downtown and launch in the suburb? And so their whole vision was to be a two-campus church. And, and, And maybe, maybe, you know, they had a college ministry or something else that was in town or, or senior citizens center or something that, that warranted a third campus. And, and by the way, we're not calling counting campuses as online campuses because that's, that's a whole different discussion. We'll, we'll get, get to that. that. We'll get to that. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. But, but the, uh, the whole idea of a lot of churches aren't, they wouldn't say, well, we're stuck at two. They're, they would say, but that's all we tried to do. And frankly, mm-hmm for them to maintain and grow, they haven't figured out the the momentum point on either campus. It's serviced those communities. It's kept them from shrinking. But a lot of folks would just say, no, 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 that's what we're trying to do. We're in two places. We can handle the back and forth very easily. You know, that works. Now, do they need a larger vision? That's where, Rich, you're writing about fly, <laughs> flywheels yes. and everything else. Yeah you know, may help stretch them if, if, if that is what God is calling them to in their location for their circumstance at this time. See, this is why you're a good tempering force on me, Warren. That's good. (laughs) What do you think about those churches that do, uh, you know, make that jump and say, hey, we're going to maybe try to go to four, five, six locations. Are are you seeing a difference in maybe the leadership culture or maybe what's required of the leadership teams in those, you know, uh, churches? Is there, is there, you know, some nuance on that, that side that would be interesting for us to kick around? Uh, I, I had a great 13 year run at Leadership Network. And during that mm-hmm. time, I had the privilege of doing the research on, frankly, the, the biggest national studies of multi-site and doing the two books, Multi-Site Revolution and Multi-Site Road Trip with Greg Ligon and Jeff Surratt. But mm-hmm. one of the things in those studies uh, that surprised me the most was oh and after that big build up give me your question again i'm sorry uh, just the leadership is there a leadership oh, difference oh, in oh, 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 the yeah, churches yeah, that yeah, seem to yeah, go okay, location yeah. yeah one of the one of the things that surprised me the most was when we asked churches with three three or more campuses um how soon did you go to central service approach and do you wish you had gone what would be the ideal yes. for when you went to central services and the vast majority said that at two campuses, we should have begun clarifying this approach to central services. And those those that don't understand that idea or maybe use a different term, it's the idea of, you know, the okay, start with payroll, counting the offering, you know, how much can be done in one location, uh, the, the branding, the posters, the the children's curriculum, whatever, how much can happen in one location that could then be fanned out to the different churches and not necessarily owned by just one campus. Uh, So everybody's saying, or the majority said, I wish we had started or I would recommend starting at two campuses. And I think, Rich, now in specific answer to your question, the the sooner you do that and the sooner you begin to see multi-site through that lens, the more you could say, oh, well, then I can more readily see how we could add a third or a fourth or a fifth campus uh, down the road. Yeah, that's, you know, it's uh, this is part of why I've enjoyed your friendship over the years is that like that, uh, you know, I literally 
on a pretty consistent basis when I'm talking with churches who are at that phase, I, you know, I, the way I explain it is there is a point where you have to buy clothes that are you know, too large that you have to grow into. And that jump to central services is a part of that jump, right? Like you, you have to discipline yourself, kind of leadership culture to say, okay, we are going to designate a few staff members. We're going to, you know, maybe, you know, expand a little bit, maybe add one or two people or three people um, and discipline ourselves to say, okay, your job is to not just think about this one location anymore. And like a lot of churches do at the beginning, they, they take um, kind of people who are working in one location and say, basically can work 15% harder. We're going to launch a new campus. At some point that doesn't work anymore. And it's not that far down the road, two or three campuses in, it doesn't work anymore. And you have to, you know, extend out a little bit and I say, okay, we're going to, like I say, buy clothes that are a little bit too big, but we're going to hopefully grow uh, into them. Now you mentioned it, you talked about online campuses, church online. Um, you know, what, what are you seeing from your environment? I, you know, I have a, which I've said in other episodes, like a love hate relationship with church online. Um, so I'd love to hear your uh, thinking around kind of how that is impacting or is, is potentially kind of impacting the multi-site movement. Before we go there, let me just respond to something you just said. Yeah, totally. And and that is, it's not just restructuring your staff to do essential services and not overloading them, though that is a real good idea. But I've been listening to the book, uh, audiobook, The Leadership Pipeline by Ram Mm. Sharan and others. And and it's, its general thesis is at every different leadership level, you have to do three things different. You have to value different things. You have to spend your time differently and you have to focus on different goals. And and that's part of going multi-site. It's not just telling someone, all right, you are the central services uh, for all the campuses and you're going to handle this, but it's learning to think in a different way and to lead in a different way because when staff are across the hall from each other or in a two campus church, if, if they're just a quick drive from each other, you can do a lot of things and, and not even realizing, Oh, it's those hallway conversations. Oh, it's this. And, and, and then when you have your next campus, that's 45 minutes or four more out and you you can't as easily connect with each other. It's like wait, something isn't working here, and you you don't realize all the things that, <laughs> that have changed because of lack of uh, uh, geographical proximity, and and you have to realize oh, I have to lead in a different way. I have to plan farther out. We have to communicate in certain ways. We have to ask, hey, this 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 preaching illustration of the door that people are going to walk through uh, as they indicate that that they're putting God first in their lives. That's not going to work at such and such a campus just because of the way it's laid out. Uh, And, and it requires a different level of leadership. And so leaders have to be willing to say, I, I, if God is wanting to entrust a larger portion of the harvest uh, to our church with, with me in a leadership role, I need to be willing to go to a new level and I need to learn new skills and new time priorities uh, for what I do, new levels of collaboration. No, that's fantastic. That's uh, that's great. That's really good nuance and, uh, and underlining for sure. Uh, on the uh, we'll loop back on the church online stuff. What are you seeing uh, on that front? You know, how is that impacting, or or you know, how, what difference is it making? How is it is it working together? How's that all? How's that work? What's what are you seeing most recently around you know this that whole area? When we first wrote the multi-site church revolution. You know, just the idea of how do you, how do you, what we would today say podcast, you know, live 
live stream, do mm-hmm. all that. That was that was a skill and a technology limited to to large churches with big bucks. Now mm-hmm. anyone can mm-hmm. sit so true. like you and I are today, you know, in, in, in our offices and just with a few clicks, um, we're making a high quality recording, uh, didn't need expensive equipment. And, and so the capability of doing an online something with your church uh, is for every church at every size. And I, I mean, I've been part of a church of about a hundred people and, and, you know, whenever I was out of town, uh, they had put the sermon online. And so is that online church? Well, no, it's not quite. And you have to define what is online congregation. But all that to say, every church can do something to move more into reaching people and ministering through cyberspace. Now, because that's so much easier today, then the connect, especially with volunteers, and my favorite mental picture is a room with uh, six people, a few of them Asian, uh, on laptops, uh, you know, one of them doing the prayer section of the website and one doing the uh, the technology questions on the ran- website. And they are the team that's running the online campus. And maybe there's one part-time uh, paid staff person who kind of coordinates that. That is, that is easy to do, easy to set up. People already have a lot of those skills. And to me, that's one half of why online church is working. The other half is that people increasingly use the internet to speak, seek spirituality. I'm not saying that's good or bad, but that's reality. <laughs> that's where <laughs> yeah. people are. And so do we want to expend the energy to reach them and to help them uh, come closer to Christ or become uh, deeper in their discipleship of Jesus Christ? And, and I hope the answer is yes. And the variety of how churches are doing it is delightful. But the big question uh, that I hear the most is, well, will it hurt, help my on, hurt my online attendance, my in-person attendance? You know, is it just going to be, you know, the family with a snotty-nosed kid that they don't want to bring to church this d- Sunday, and we're glad they didn't? Um, or is it going to be a lot more? And the answer it's going to be a lot more. So you have to now think intentionally, do I want to try to help these people? Is this on the journey towards bricks and mortar? Or is this uh, is this ministering to a, a community that's out there uh, regardless of geography? Yeah, that's that's so good. I know the you know church online digital engagement in general. I love that you expanded that because it's it's so true. Like I have a, a good friend of mine who is a church planner in Sarasota, Florida. People, longtime listeners know I talk about Peter a lot, but he, you know he, I have I have been amazed right out of the box. Like literally the first day out of the box, they were and for him it was a high value. They wanted to do video and be able to capture a quality, compelling video product. And, you know, I was amazed from the very first Sunday how great that was. Like it was, you know, when I think back to 15, 20 years ago when we started this thing, how much time, effort, energy, money it spent to try to capture good video. And then now, you know, at that point, a church on its first Sunday is able to do it with actually relatively, and it's a combo of like you're saying, not just the technology, but then people's comfortableness with the technology as well. And it's had, it's had huge, profound impact on all uh, of our churches. Fantastic. Well, this has been a great conversation. I want to point people to a couple things. First of all, you mentioned a couple different books. If you were saying, 
saying to someone, hey, like, I'm looking for kind of an introduction to multi-site. I want to kind of get the ball rolling. Uh, where would you point them to? What would you say, hey, here's, here's a, a good book or a book or two for them to think about? Uh, two books, Multi-Site Church Revolution, that gives the overview of the idea, Multi-Site Church Road Trip, which kind of visits a whole bunch of churches and what they're doing. They're all, both of them are by a three-person authorship, Jeff Surratt, Greg Ligon, and Warren Bird. And we talked recently, we three, and we said, you know, how much do we think we repent of, you know, that's that's no longer valid or outdated? And we pretty much agreed that's stuff that can get anyone a good head start. And there, we don't think there's anything toxic uh, in there, even with all the ways uh, technology has changed and the movement has grown. That's a good starting point. And Jim, you were very, I'm sorry, <laughs> Rich, <laughs> Rich, you were very gracious to mention Jim Tomberlin's and my book, uh, the uh, on mergers, healthy mergers, uh, called Better Together. And, and that too is a backdoor into multi-site. Yeah, it's fantastic. But all those are great resources. And, uh, you know, it's amazing. It, those those books are not new by any means. They've been out 10 years. Well, the first two have been out 10 years. And they still do hold up. You know, they're, when people ask me questions about it, I, I point them in that direction. I say, the first thing you should do is go read all those. And then if you've got any questions, let's talk. But there is a good, uh, you know, good starting point there. You also, at the ECFA, you have just launched a new, or just earlier this year, launched uh, a new blog that I'd love for you to talk to uh, us about a little bit called Large Church Trends. I would encourage people uh, to check this out. Tell us about that. Yeah, you can just Google my name and Large Church Trends if you forget. But here's the website, largechurchtrends.blogspot, one word, dot com. And, and uh, basically, the research that ECFA, that was one of my surprises. ECFA has all this great research already. I've gotten to do some more. This first year is the year of better governance. So we're helping, you know, everybody's got a church board. Almost everybody would say, eh, our board, you know, they don't really thrive or they don't, you know, they're not that effective. Okay. Well, hey, if you got all these top caliber people, you know, let's help them be effective. Let's help the board really right. contribute. So, so that's kind of the theme of the blogs this year. But, but as I'm, as I'm growing that, uh, uh, website, I'm going to keep putting research on there, uh, that will especially help, uh, large churches. That's for my large church friends. For those who are not, I, I highly recommend the book that Carl George and I did, uh, How to Break Church Growth Barriers, which deals with, you know, 50, 200, uh, 400, 800, and so forth. And and really, uh, two-thirds of that book is not about what you do to break a barrier. It's about what's in our heads. Why do I need to be the primary caregiver instead of the maker of other caregivers? Why do I need to be the shepherd instead of the maker, the hander-outer of shepherd's crooks. Why do I need to be the the chief uh, leader rather than the chief leader maker? And and mm-hmm. that mentality is is essential uh, if God wants to entrust a larger harvest into your hands. Absolutely. It's a, again, required reading. Uh, Warren, I am so glad that you came on the show today. Like I say, I, I think just you're a, a gift to the, the broader body of Christ and just honored that you take some time out uh, to be with us today. If people want to track with you or with the ECFA, uh, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, ECFA is just that, uh, Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability, ecfa.org. And they have a delightful thing that says, here's how to follow or learn or get on our newsletters. Uh, And there's something we do called Church Pulse. 
and that highlights trends, tips, resources, and everything else. Um, and so uh, ecfa.org slash pulse is the way to find that. Thanks. Thanks so much, Warren. Appreciate being on the show today. Rich, always a delight to talk to you. God's best to you. Thank you for the contributions you make uh, to helping us all go forward better and faster and maybe with a few less scars. <laughs> I know I'm blushing. Thanks, man. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Don't be shy. We'd love to connect. Check out Unseminary Inbox. You can sign up at unseminary.com and we'll send you helpful training resources every week. Plus, you'll gain immediate access to our exclusive members area with tons of resources you can use. Connect with Rich on Twitter at Rich Birch or through email rich at unseminary.com Don't forget to check out the show notes for this episode at unseminary.com It includes links to what we talked about today and more. Leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Did you enjoy today's episode? Drop by iTunes and leave a review. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Join us next week when we'll learn more stuff we wish they taught in seminary.